Hello, and thanks for joining Procurement Innovation, brought to you by GoProcure. I'm your host, Raj Verma, and this is episode four of the 2021 Procurement Innovation Station. And I can tell you, I am very excited about our next guest, somebody I've known for many, even though she's not aging and I am, uh, who is a domain expert in the, in the procurement and diversity space. Uh, spent many years at Coca-Cola, now has her own strategic thought leadership firm, uh, IW Consulting, Ingrid Watkins. How are you doing today, Ingrid? Well, hello. Hello. Doing well. You know, it's beautiful weather in Atlanta and we're, we're feeling great. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. This is long over too. I mean, I've, <laughs> I, I don't know. I know you've been so busy with all, all the value you're always providing out there. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Not a problem. Thank you. So Ingrid, I, I know, you know, you've come somebody who's had so much experience and you are on the cusp of some of the first companies that really got deep in the diversity space. And now, you know, you've, as you, you've seen it mature, where are we? as a culture as you would think from supplier diversity from when you first got in what is what is what's going the right way and uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what, what still needs some kick well you know <clears throat> the supplier diversity and I, I call it an industry it really is an industry all of its own it goes through peaks and valleys like many other industries i, I think we we can do very well at times and sometimes it's competing um opportunities or competing issues within corporates and we, we kind of fall off from our focus. Uh, one of the things I think that we're doing really, really well is corporates are finally, you know, paying attention to the needs of diverse suppliers. So I think at the new climate, the new social climate, we're finally getting the, 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 tension, the attention that we need from, from corporate leaders. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad to hear, you know, I know that as someone, you, I think you're also being uh, very mindful of our audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're just getting started. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, cause I know, and you know, for, for the audience that's listening, uh, Ingrid was very instrumental at Coca-Cola and I'm sure if uh, some of those people who are local Atlantans in Georgia remember there was a time back in the 80s and 90s that people wanted uh, Coke to be more aggressive. And I can tell you, first, as somebody who worked in corporate, as well as somebody who's been a diversity leader, uh, Ingrid really pushed to help get the spend with the strategic view within the organization. Do, do you see that, you know, you don't have to mention any companies by names, but are you seeing that people are building their organizations the same way as you were a part of back at Coke? No, um, you know, it, things change. I, I think one of the things we're seeing, and I don't know if I could consider this a, you know, a, a hindrance or an advantage is, you know, supplier diversity is being married with other initiatives like DEI. Sometimes it's married with community. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, I'm real clear that supplier diversity is a procurement function. And sometimes when you marry it with these other initiatives, you kind of get lost in the shuffle. And I think any time that you're not at the table where purchasing decisions are being made, where vendor selections are being made in procurement, you, you're missing out on opportunities. So there's a lot of um, you know, organizational things I think we need to consider about where supplier diversity should be housed to be more effective 
effective in these corporate environments. Um, one of the things that I, I always say when I'm training and talking with my supplier diversity colleagues, you know, we're seeing some trends. There are a lot of, uh, of newbies in the space and uh, some of the more mature practitioners are rolling out of their roles. They're retiring and, you know, rolling off into the sunset to live beautiful lives. And I think one of the things we're seeing is, you know, there's not adequate training in place for the newbies. They come on board from other um, areas of the company and they're in these roles and there's just no training that's readily available for newbies. So I think proper training is one of the challenges that we're, we're seeing in this space. And to that, to that um, fact, what we did was we partnered with the University of Florida to create a supplier diversity leadership certificate program. We saw the gap and we wanted to do something to address it. So my partners and I, we created a two-day uh, curriculum program. We facilitated, uh, we give it our most practical knowledge of what we know about best in, in class programs and um, you know, we bring what we know to work and, and what we know that doesn't work. And we train these newbies um, how, basically how to do their jobs. Well, that's fantastic. I'm glad you offer something. And secondly, I don't know if you knew, but I'm a Florida, I went to Florida grad school, but I think with all the people from Atlanta listening, they're probably going to be yelling at both of us. Why didn't we do this with EJ <laughs> Carey School of Business? You know? <laughs> well, hey, tell them to give us a call. We're, we're open to expanding the program, you know? Yeah, we'll definitely have to facilitate that. So, you know, as you mentioned training, but do you think that when they join an organization, their leadership is seeing that, the, hey, you get a chance to be an entrepreneur. And I love how you put it. You need to be tied to procurement. But are those, is this just a stepping stone to another role or how do we get the visibility that we need for those new diversity leaders? Yeah, you'll, you'll see it all. I mean, the competing pressures in these corporate environments, sometimes you get the lift and shift, you know. I've talked to so many different practitioners. They'll say, you know, I was, I was an analyst over here and I got lifted and shifted and now I'm in supplier diversity. I mean, it, it's just, it's mind boggling to me. <laughs> um, but I, I do think wherever you come from within the organization, um, you really need to invest some time in, in learning the craft. And it really is a special, you know, area that should not be taken lightly. I mean, you have the, the, the opportunity to affect people's lives, to affect diverse communities and families. So this is a role that you really should um, invest time to learn to do it well. No, it, that, that's absolutely correct. And, you know, I know the very beginning you started that, uh, you know, it needs to be part of purchasing and sometimes getting pulled into DEI or other organizations. Is that a lack of understanding at the C-suite or why is that occurring then? Do you think that they don't they don't have it in the right location? Um, I, I think there are many different reasons. Um, it could be resource restraints. Uh, I think one of the things um, that we're seeing is, you know, combining roles. You see DEI and sustainability and supplier diversity. And I go, whoa, how can you possibly <laughs> roll all that as three, four jobs into one role? And I think what practitioners have to do is push back. I mean, I work with clients and I'm telling them how to communicate with their leadership and say, there is no way I could be a strategic you know, procurement sourcing person, supplier diversity person, and sustainability person, because I'm only one person. So <laughs> you really have to 
you know, have the, um, the communication skills, you have to make the business case, and you have to, you know, sometimes push back. No, that, that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Where do you think diversity fits? You know, now a lot of companies are, you know, their big focus is innovation through their own organization, supplier innovation or incubation. How does diversity fit in well there? What have you seen and what are some good pra- best practices? Yeah, I mean, one of the things, and it's not just me, there's studies that have been done, uh, research that has been done that proves that diverse suppliers bring the creativity and the innovation. Um, And I think one of the things that companies can do to connect to these firms is, you know, supplier development. I mean, uh, working on uh, very capable and viable uh, diverse suppliers, working on their uh, capability and capacity and creating uh, suppliers that, you know, that are good fit with your, um, your supply chain and your internal business structure. I think investing in those supplier development programs is just a win-win. I mean, we already know that diverse suppliers, uh, you know, bring the innovation and creativity. It's a matter of, you know, training them and providing them with tools to be a good fit with your organization. And you do that through a, a very a robust supplier development program. Now, we know that some companies have done, taken this to the next level. And, and for full transparency, we can even mention them here. You know, Capital One has their their program. I know Accenture had a program. And then, um, you know, the large organizations and MSDC and some of them put some things on. Do you feel that you almost need to have your own diverse supplier development program, even that next step that is even outside of your core supplier development within an organization? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's been proven time and time again, that is the way to build your um, your army of viable diverse suppliers is to train them in the way that you need them to to operate. So yes, supplier. I can't you know speak um, enough about the uh, effectiveness of supplier development program. Well, no, I appreciate that. I know that you know, and I, I know I know you're very humble about this. But can you kind of give us a lens? You know, you've been now out on your own and been very successful. What are some of the key things that you, if if let's say I brought you on to a Fortune 500 company and you were telling them, you don't have to give away your secret sauce. But if you're telling them, what are some things that they should do from a supplier development program? Uh, I, I think you want to look at first, and we do we do have a uh, proprietary methodology that we use. But I think you need to look first at your current supply chain. Look at those diverse suppliers you're already doing business with. Is there an opportunity to grow their capability within your supply chain? If they're already tried and tested and they're performing well, what else can they do for us? How can we expand their capability so that they can become a bigger supplier for us? So that's one of the first things you look at. Um, you know, there's uh, some other things. <laughs> no, I, I don't want you to give me your secret sauce. I think that, that's a good point. You know, I was in a conversation and in a panel, and then I had the opportunity of hearing uh, some people we know well, Shelly Stewart and uh, uh, M- Mr. Uh, Robinson, speak and you know one of the comments that came up was that a number of diverse suppliers as they try to grow are dealing with such egregious pay terms or they're dealing with um you know um high insurance rates you know i i know that you prided yourself to fight for the diversity leader but why 
in one side is corporate telling us, hey, we got to increase our diversity spend. We have to do the right thing. But they put such draconian things on there. <laughs> I mean, it, it's yeah, th that's a good question. And when we create supplier diversity, strategic plans and programs for our clients, we address that 90 day payment term. Um, as a supplier diversity practitioner, your job is to advocate for um, small and diverse firms. So what I tell my clients is, okay, you might have, let's say, 50 diverse firms in your supply chain. These are new startups. So they might have 50 diverse firms. It can be very impactful for these small and diverse businesses to wait 90 days for payment. But it is not impactful for these corporations to, you know, pay within 30 days. So you have to look at weighing who's going to be the most impactful. And then there's a thing called goodwill. You want to be a good, you know, supplier partner, whether you're the corporate or the MBE. So let's try to make it comfortable for everybody. It's not going to hurt you to pay this small and diverse uh, firm in, in 90 days. You don't have three, 400 um, diverse suppliers that that's going to be impactful to your, you know, your, your financial plan. Go ahead and pay these diverse suppliers. And that's the supplier diversity practitioner's role to advocate, to make it comfortable for diverse suppliers to do business with these corporations. Very good point. And I appreciate you saying that because we need, uh, as currently a diverse vendor, we need the support of our uh, our key champions in there to help us with those fiduciary risks that are there. Mm -hmm. You know, as you're, as you're looking at uh, some of the programs that you've seen now from this side, um, what are, and you don't have to mention any names, what are some things that are, people are doing right? And some are things that you're still, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this. <laughs> you don't have to mention any company names, but I'm just curious if you're open to sharing. Well, I, I'm okay to mention a name. There, There is one company that I, I use in my training I really admire. This, it's the MGM Mirage and their policy about supplier diversity to their primes. No supplier does business with that brand unless you agree to subcontracting with uh, minority suppliers. I absolutely think that is very um, um, proactive and uh, that is the way that you want to position your supplier diversity program to be very proactive. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, so second tier is a way to... Um, create uh, economic uh, growth in diverse uh, communities, business communities. Uh, so don't leave money on the table. Create a very robust second tier program. Do things like MGM Mirage and say you have to engage diverse suppliers if you want to do business with our brand. I think that's great. That is, that is a great shout out there. And then on the opposite side, we, well, let's use the term uh, opportunity improvement. <laughs> what, what are you seeing that some of our colleagues are still doing? You don't have to obviously don't want to mention any names, but yeah, what is yeah. frustrating well, you these days? You know what? I, I don't experience this as much as some other diverse suppliers. We do a Thursday night supplier diversity think tank, and sometimes we have diverse suppliers come sit in on the session and, and they will, you know, voice their concerns. And one of the things they say now more than ever. You know, you can't get supplier diversity practitioners on the phone. You know, you can't engage them because we're not having the in-face conferences anymore. 
Um, so it's very hard to make those connections to be able to present your capabilities and to be able to, you know, get in, in connected with these opportunities. So I don't know what the answer is. I think maybe some supplier diversity practitioners need to make sure that they keep office hours and they answer the, their phones even when they're working from home and out of the office. Well, that's a very, you know, that is very I mean, accessibility point, right? is, is key to, to making those connections. So we have to make ourselves accessible to, to the diverse suppliers. Things As, didn't stop because of COVID. They just, they were just, you know, we're doing it from home, but you should still be doing your job and, and picking up the phone. No, that that's very true. And I think the reality is that people now are just working off their cell phones. They're not even looking at their office. Phone, right? <laughs> so if your cell phone and you don't know that number, you may not be picking up. So where does where does the NMSDC and WeBank and US PAC and have they filled the gap? I mean, we're in a pandemic. I mean, once again, I don't want to put you on the spot, but are they fulfilling their role and responsibility to their constituency and where we're at right now? Well, I think it's best they can. They can. I mean, they they pivoted from the uh, in face conferences, and a lot of them are doing the virtual conference, which is certainly not my preference. Um, yeah. I, personally, I, I don't think I've sat in on a few. I don't, don't think they work very well. But I I think under the circumstances, these organizations are doing the best they can to uh, to keep business as usual in a very virtual world. We 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 use what we have. No one you know foresaw this happening. Um, so we're we're doing the best our can we can to make these pivots. You know the the level of finding a little bit of justice just recently. Um, how do we make sure that when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, that those communities that are most disadvantaged and have the, the need, the greatest help are actually being positively impacted? Because it's one thing to say, yes, I have $50 million or $100 million of diverse spend. But if it's not adding value to the community, is it really moving the needle? Yeah. What I'd really like to see is a, a refocus in supplier diversity on, you know, the African-American uh, business community. If, if you know, you know, the history of supplier diversity, it really was. And that's not to, you know, say others can't be included, but I would really like to see a refocus. Um, the history of supplier diversity, it really was created in large part to support the, the black community um, through business development and job creation. And somehow over the years, there's just been a shift. I mean, I think African-American businesses have been, you know, in some ways disenfranchised. We're getting a smaller piece of the pie of the corporate pie. And that, you know, it shows in, in the way our communities are not developing as, at a, as fast as some other communities. So I, I really think there should be a reform. We're seeing some of it. We're seeing some of it, particularly in the DNI space. But I think supplier diversity also need to uh, refocus. It's, it's one thing to say we have a supplier diversity program and you're using, you know, all women or, you know, all um, Indian or, you know, in your, in your program. But I think we need to start slicing and dicing that pie 
and looking at some metrics around who we're doing business with and make sure we're really inclusive of all the diverse um, affinities, including uh, specifically African-American businesses. Yeah, you're being too nice. You, know, you and I have talked offline on this. That <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's gone too far the other pendulum. Um, you know, it started with, uh, you know, our friend uh, who's been fighting for this for, forever, uh, Harriet Michelle. Mm-hmm. And I personally think that because there has to be a metric that measures the success on those disadvantaged communities, wherever mm-hmm. they may be. Like if we, we're both from Atlanta, so, Kyle, you know, those places, whether and I don't want to pick on anyone, but you know what I'm talking about. It's one thing if I choose a diverse vendor that happens to be sitting here in East Cobb or Alpharetta and give them a huge contract and they're just hiring people who already live here. How is that really impacting the value of the marketplace or where we live, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I grew up outside of Detroit and I know that, you know, where there's areas that are very depressed. And if you're not bringing those people to the table, then what is the reason for your program to begin with? (laughs) Exactly. Well, that, that is a direct link to lack of education. I mean, some supplier diversity practitioners just think that, you know, I have a diverse supplier. I've checked that box. I've done my job and they don't give consideration to, you know, the broader picture. How am I affecting economic development in diverse communities and lots of times that answer is you're not so there's a lot of you know room for um you know for improvement but you have to be astute enough in the work that we're doing to take a look at what you're doing and make those those changes you and i could do a whole show on this (laughs) absolutely (laughs) <laughs> so, so, you know, as you've been, as the market has changed a little bit the last couple of years, so what are your, you know, what are you, you know, if I give you a chance to kind of talk about yourself, so others, you know, I know a n- number of chief procurement officers and heads of indirect listen to the show, what did, should they know about your firm and what you could do immediately for them to help them get value? Yeah. Um, well, first I tell all of my clients, I, I bring my authentic self to the work that I do, just as I did in corporate. (laughs) So, you know, if you hire me and you hire my firm, um, we're going to do the work. Uh, We're going to put together exceptional strategy. We're going to, it's going to be customized. We do not do any out of the box, jack in the box, any of that stuff. Uh, When we sign on with the client, we start with a blank computer screen. We build each strategy based on knowledge and insights that we collect from the client, um, from the uh, priorities of leadership. So we build very customized, company-centric strategic plans for supplier diversity. Like that. And then, I, I, once again, I don't want to give a secret sauce, but more at a general, I get asked this question all the time. What are the right metrics that a company should have? I know we know the obvious one on spend. What are the other ones that they should be looking at? And yeah, I think um, I think we have to go back to basics. Um, years ago, uh, under Johnny Booker, we didn't just look at spin. We looked at adding new diverse suppliers, whether it was you know over a quarter. What new diverse suppliers are we adding at the end of the year? If you only have one or two, is, is that you know your measure of success? So you have to look at spin. New diverse suppliers you're adding to the supply chain, and you know in in some some 
industries where it's very difficult. I have some clients. It's very difficult to, you know, bring in diverse suppliers if it's some type of niche um, niche market. So we're looking at how else can we support diverse the diverse business community. And I use my own experience. I remember when we were pivoting from in-class training, face-to-face training, to um, uh, virtual training, you know, there there were expenses in, you know, buying those e-tools. So I tell my clients, sometimes it's about setting up a grant so that diverse suppliers can use, can have those that capital to pivot into the new spaces that they need to be in. Sometimes it's, you know, having grants for education, uh, leadership development. So it's not always about spin when you're talking about supporting diverse suppliers to be more competitive, competitive and be the best that they can be. No, I love that you're mentioning that because, you know, one thing I always see is that these independent groups, whether it's NMSDC or one of the universities, you know, whether it's Rutgers or Dartmouth, they have these programs where they're teaching scalability. It's all theoretical. But to your point, if I'm a corporate and I have a supplier and I know they're good, and I, but I see that they need help, whether cutting costs or uh, uh, maybe even helping them source better things for themselves to be more effective. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they got a great product. Right. We should, we should never be scared of doing that. You know, and right. sometimes large companies, they get the supplier in. They're very excited. And then 90 days, they become a commodity, right? They don't, they don't continue to look at how, hey, you just brought an innovative partner in. You yeah. Know, why, why not continue to leverage that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think starting my business, one of the things we have customized training, uh, intellectual property that we need to protect. So a, a large part of our operating budget the first couple of years was really legal fees. So, yeah, it would have been great to have a corporate um, client support. Uh, you know, with a grant to support those those expenses. So it's, there's a number of creative ways and innovative ways that we can support diverse businesses um, to create the, the the kind of capacity and capabilities that we need in these corporate environments. You just need to put your thinking caps on and open your purse and write the checks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You guys heard it. Open your pocketbooks and write mm-hmm. the checks. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward 20 years. Where where do you think supplier diversity? What does what needs to happen so that in twenty years we're having this conversation that we said it's been more successful? It's met that it's helped address the changing landscape of the country. What what needs to happen, and what do you see as that next steps? Oh boy, I shudder to think that in twenty years we'll still be here. I'm hoping in twenty years oh. we won't. <laughs> We won't need supplier diversity. Everyone will be treated equally and fairly and and given a a fair play at opportunity. Jeez, I mean, it's kind of depressing to think that we might be doing this, even though, you know, it started back in the 50s. Um, We're we're still having the conversation. So I I don't know. I I think uh, as, you know, corporates continue to invest and organizations continue to invest in diverse business, you're going to see larger scale. You're going to see more innovation, more technology. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to take an, an investment and it's going to take um, real robust interest um, from corporates to, to come up with the solutions and uh, to the challenges of diverse suppliers. You know, I, I'm in one way, I'm glad you didn't give the cheery answer because, you know, that's the easy answer. But uh 
I think we both know that it's been a constant struggle. And it'd be great to sit here and say that, you know, in 20 years when there's no majority in the country, that we have no majority in suppliers. But you and I both know that's a larger hurdle because <laughs> it's a movement yes. of funds. But I really appreciate you saying that, you know. And, and for those people who might be joining late, this is, yeah, I'm on with Ingrid Watkins, one of the top thought leaders in the diversity space, many years in corporate America at Coca-Cola, now uh, the principal of IW Consulting Group. So uh, we're just talking about the, the future of diversity and how we need you all to play a strong role, whether you're in the finance organization, whether you're in procurement, whether you are, you know, in, in one of the lines of business, but you, you have a very active role to play. So, so we, we really need that help. Uh, you know, one of the things that you mentioned also about DEI and the, the, the social justice component um, you know, we always talk about this from a corporate standpoint, but how can how can I almost think that on the nonprofit side, the education side and leveraging the how do we get break open those doors? Because they might even be further behind than the corporate side. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, you know, post, you know, the George Floyd murder, corporate had this, you know, diversity awakening and everyone hired these DEI leaders and, you know, uh, CEOs made the uh, commitments to do better. So, I mean, all we have to do, if, if the, the initiatives they put in place around DEI, you know, just sit and wait and see if it works. I mean, we, we don't know. This is all so new. We don't know how it's going to shape up three to five years from now. Um, but I'm hoping that these initiatives are authentic and that the DEI professionals will do the work. And when we look at the, the corporate data, you know, three to five years from now, we'll see a very different picture. It's a, a great to give us some positive thoughts there. So, um, you know, as I know, we're coming uh, on the bottom half of the hour. Um, great, robust conversation. We'll definitely have to do this again. What are some last thoughts that you would have for your procurement peers that are listening right now on how they can actively improve their program and any thoughts you want to leave us with? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to keep the economic development piece top of mind. I, I tell when I'm presenting to potential clients, I said, if all of your diverse consumers and customers go away, how would that impact your organization? If it's significant, if the answer is significant, then you should be investing in a supplier diversity program. I don't think any industry, whether you're in consumer goods, manufacturing, whatever the industry, you are impacted directly or indirectly by diverse, diverse consumer communities. You know, it's as simple as, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You're, you know, gaining revenue from diverse communities, then you should be um, supporting these communities with contracting. It's, it's a full circle. Um, lots of times, particularly in consumer brands, you have the opportunity to support diverse communities, which in, in some ways you can actually grow your own bottom line. These consumers who now have you know, jobs, they have uh, thriving businesses, they can become consumers of your brands. I don't know any industry that can do well in an economically depressed um, environment where people businesses aren't thriving people don't have jobs 
it impacts your business. You should be doing everything you possibly can to grow the local economies that you serve so that your business can benefit in the long run. It's as simple as that. Wow. That was a fantastic statement, almost like a missive. And so I think, you know, we want to believe that everybody's doing things for the right reason. But I think Ingrid just laid it out for, you know, all you folks that are, you know, at Fortune Fives and are looking at revenue, you know, your future customer base should be emulated by your supply base. You know, and I couldn't have said it better. There's just no way. I'm glad, Ingrid, you're sharing that because that's the reality of the future in this country for the next 20 years. I mean, yeah, that's sure where it is. Mm-hmm. So, Ingrid, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough <laughs> for coming on. And you're so very welcome. This was a lot of fun. I'm just so glad it's not video. <laughs> oh, please, please. Yeah, I think everybody happy to see you, uh, me. You know, I think that'd be a different thing. I still got probably about a 12 week program before I can get on a video. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, uh, Ingrid, thank you so much for joining. And we're so welcome. So welcome. Connect in the future. So uh, that ends episode four uh, of procurement innovation. We've, you know, quite honestly, this is probably the most important topic we will have this year. So for those people that are out there that are kicking off their programs or the programs are stale or they're trying to figure out ways to innovate, please look up IW Consulting Group, uh, led by Ingrid Watkins, who's the principal, over 20 years corporate experience, tremendous amount of uh, domain experience, and uh, she'll help you along your way. Thank you again for joining, and we will see you next week on Procurement Innovation, brought to you by GoProcure. Thank you. Thank you.